This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And happy Wednesday, my beautiful ICYMI listeners. Today, we are going back, back in time, to the solo Rachel era. Do you remember that? Somehow, I'm already nostalgic for it, except not really, because if you knew me in real life, you know that your girl was struggling through those 10 months we spent looking for the lovely Candace Lim. Speaking of Candace, where is she today? Well, I can't give too many details because the job she's working right now, well, it's top secret. All I can say is that Bath and Body Works better watch out and that soon we might know the most closely held corporate secret in the business world. Why was Pearberry discontinued? In the meantime, we've got a show to do, and today is a special one because it begins to answer a question I've had for a really really long time, which is why does TikTok keep trying to get me to buy a shadow work journal? If you haven't had the distinct pleasure of getting this particular extremely targeted ad on your For You page, allow me to explain. The shadow work journal follows in the footsteps of the affirmations journal, which is basically a hundred pages of you is good, you is kind, you is important. And listen, I love an affirmation, love to manifest. I'm a little bit convinced that I'm psychic. Don't ask any questions, but the shadow work journal takes it a step too far for me. Not least because introduced to me around the same time as TikTok shop, which means that for a brief period of time, I would get these videos of some woman talking about how she overcame some deep insecurity, which is content I always want as a woman with deep insecurities. But I would only find out it was basically an ad for this shadow work journal. Allegedly, shadow work is about confronting the darkest parts of yourself that you don't really like. You know, the self-sabotaging parts, the manipulative parts, your shadow self, basically, which is all good and fine, sure. But I just don't trust that this journal, the most popular of which retails for about $18 on Amazon and was created by someone with no mental health licensing, who was a former TikTok employee. I just don't believe that, you know, this journal is what it's cracked up to be. Call me a skeptic. That's for me to explore, maybe on another episode, but it did make me think of the various forms that the self-help industry has managed to take over its long, long, long lifetime. And it made me think of the people who rise to the top of this industry, the leaders, 
the life coaches who managed to convince us that not only is their life phenomenal, but because their life is phenomenal, they can teach us how to make our life phenomenal for three easy installments of 1999. Life coaching as a field is on the rise, and who is surprised when there are so many kinds of life coach you can be? There are career coaches, relationship coaches, health and wellness coaches, financial coaches, parenting coaches, death coaches, leadership coaches, femininity coaches. I'm sure there are podcast coaches out there. In fact, maybe I'm pivoting. But before I do that, I wanted to talk to Jane Marie, the host of the award-winning podcast, The Dream. The first two seasons of The Dream are about MLMs, or pyramid schemes, and the wellness industry. And in the much-anticipated third season, Jane takes on life coaches. She even hires one for herself. And after a short break, Jane will be here with me to talk about the rise of life coaching, how the internet and social media have allowed pretty much everyone to become a life coach, and what exactly the American dream has to do with all of this. Stay tuned. And we're back with Jane Marie, the host of the award-winning podcast, The Dream, which recently dropped its highly anticipated third season all about life coaches. This is a topic I'm absolutely fascinated by. My TikTok has been taken over by people recommending a shadow work journal to me. And I'm so glad you're here to explain to me why that's happening, Jane. Thank you for coming on the show. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. Why that's happening is because you're into scams. (laughs) I do love the scam. I'm not going to lie. And the algorithms and the, noticed. They do. And then and they were like, maybe she, we don't know why. She, maybe <laughs> she's pro-scam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she'll want one of these journals. <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> put this clip right, just when you said that, put that on TikTok, and then I think they'll, they'll go away. Yes. I feel like if I speak directly into my phone and say, I don't want this, they will figure it out yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah. So one of the first questions we usually ask here is what our guest's first internet memory is. But I wanted to ask Uh. you specifically if you can recall what your first memory of like the self-help internet is. Oh, okay. I was just like, don't make me talk about my very first internet memory. (laughs) Um, I'm very old. And so it's old. It's from the 90s, like the mid 90s. Fine, I'll just tell you really quick. I was my like, ex-boyfriend. When I was in high school, <laughs> when I was in ninth grade, I was dating someone too old for me. And he lived all the way across the country. And he was like very internet savvy. And he would send me photos through AOL. But like, it would take probably an hour for one small picture to mm-hmm. load on my computer. And it would just be him skateboarding. It's like not, <laughs> you know, nothing special. Yeah. But I was so, I missed him so much. And I really wanted to see him. And I would like go to my dad's office because we didn't have internet at home but my dad's office had one computer like one of those um neon colored see-through macs mm-hmm. remember the first yes. imax this yes. was like 1995 or something and then sometimes i would spend the entire evening trying to get one picture <laughs> and it wouldn't work and i'd go home and cry anyway wow that's not how it works anymore but maybe it should <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think we would all spend a lot more time doing other mm-hmm. things. Because I kind of gave up on it after like a month or two. I was like, you know what? I do not. This is just mail me pictures. Like we still are going to CVS to get them, you know, developed. Mm-hmm. Just put them in the mail. Um, okay, what was the other question? <laughs> <laughs> if, first what? <laughs> if you can recall what your first memory of the self-help internet is. Oh, God. Um, my first... Well, I'd say it's never not been there, but mm. I think when basically when podcasting started to get taken over by like gurus mm. and a few years ago, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know, five, six years ago when all of the top podcasts were like someone telling you <laughs> some version of Huberman Lab or some version of Brene Brown. And yeah. those just became, you know, we all liked Oprah already so it's not like they were that far off in terms of what the world wanted yeah to listen to but suddenly there were just so many experts i remember actually even before that i remember a friend of mine doing soul cycle and like i went on their instagram no not their Insta- probably facebook this was like 10 years ago or maybe longer and i went on there just online to see where the one was near me and like if i'd be interested of course i wasn't but <laughs> It came up with, like, the owner or some blonde lady that ran the company. It was, like, all inspirational quotes and stuff. I couldn't tell what the actual workout Mm -hmm. was. Like, it wasn't (laughs) apparent at all what you do. Because I was like, I really don't want it to be, like, hot yoga. That's for sure. I don't know if it's anything like that. I don't know how much clothes people wear. I want the more clothes, the better. And I don't want to be too close to anyone who's sweating. All that (laughs) stuff. I was trying to figure that out. And then all I got was, like... Live, laugh, love, like that kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, and, and that's not. For yeah, me. you were trying to find actual information, um, and none of that was present. No. Yeah, I've always. I'm not gonna lie. There's always been a part of me that's been waiting for Soul Cycle to be exposed as a cult, and yet here we are. I mean, speaking of kind of <clears throat> cults. Um, <laughs> the first two seasons, kind of cults, because yeah. I don't want to get hit with the cease and desist the first two seasons of the dream are about mlms and the wellness industry respectively and it's pretty clear from listening to the third season that the mlm to life coach pipeline is just a straight line yeah but i wanted to ask when in the reporting process did you realize that 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 line was just maybe two steps and what specifically made you want to focus an entire season on life coaching specifically well I'll answer the second question first, which is, as soon as we were done with the second season, and I haven't ever talked about this before, actually, so I'll just say it briefly here, but the reason that it took so long to get season three out is because, like every creator in podcasting, I didn't own the show fully. Mm -hmm. I had like a percentage of... Mm you know, the IP and I had a percentage of, but I didn't own the feed, the RSS feed. Like I I wasn't in control. And that got purchased in the acquisition of Stitcher. And then suddenly it was Sirius uh, XM's property. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a lot of time and money to disentangle that and become the owner of the show. Like two years of wow. work. Of like just an- unanswered emails and like who who am I talking to? Oh, they don't work here anymore. Like that kind of thing. So from the end of season two, 
it was like the most requested topic. Wow. I heard from everybody just, can you please do life coaches next? Please, please, please. I really need to know about life coaches. And it had been about, I don't know, a year or two since like the Vikram Yoga podcast or um it was a podcast from on espn but also there was a documentary there were like all these cult leader documentaries but they were cult leaders kind of masquerading as coaches Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then selling their coaching certificates to their flock and then those people could go out and be coaches or be or have their own yoga studio or whatever so it was kind of in the air at the time and people asked a lot for that and then it took a while to convince Dan that we should mm-hmm. do it. But finally, we were like, yeah, let's just go for it. And my idea for next season really needs to happen after this one. So I also, <laughs> I also that I really can't talk about yet, but this one needed to happen first. So hopefully the dream's never going away again. But yeah, it was kind of just the order of things. It needed to come now. And your other question was about um, how I was introduced to the MLM to life coaching Mm -hmm. pipeline. And that really came from our subject who is introduced in episode three. Mm -hmm. Um, This woman named Jennifer Ryla, a woman, a complete stranger from Michigan, weirdly, but a complete stranger who came across my for you page on TikTok. Mm -hmm. She came up on it. She didn't come across mine, but like she popped up on my for you page and I don't have a TikTok. So it's not like she was following me. Mm -hmm. Like I have one just so I can lurk yeah, but I don't really on it. I think they have one or two videos up there and she doesn't have that many followers but she actually said it plainly like I was in a coaching cult mm. I'm trying to help other people get out and get into some deprogramming work and it was just the natural progression of my MLM mindset um, and so I reached out to her and then it just it's kind of like, well, this comes up in the show, too. It's kind of like morel hunting. Okay, I don't know if you've ever been mushroom <laughs> hunting, but there are certain kinds of mushrooms that are so camouflaged that it takes a really long time to train your eye. And then as soon as you see one, you're like, oh, there's a, I'm standing on top of 100. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it was like that with Jennifer, where I was just like, oh, no, it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All of these, all of these coaches were in Amway or DoTerra or something, or you know, they were all selling up essential oils and, yeah, yeah, that's the connect. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially when you say coaching is everywhere, but also hard to spot because as I was kind of researching this episode, I was kind of trying to come up with a working definition for myself of what a life coach is, and. I was really flummoxed because there are so many kinds. There are career coaches, there are health and wellness coaches, there are femininity coaches, there are parenting coaches. Mm -hmm. You mentioned death coaches in um, the first episode of this season. And it got to the point where the word coach started to look really fake to me as I was writing it. And so I wanted to Mm -hmm. ask, how would you define life coaching And has your definition changed at all over the course of working on this season? I would define it my um, generous definition (laughs) and my my kind heart looks at it as, you know, a way for people who do want to help other people to, like, do some good in the world without necessarily having to, like, go to a Ph.D. program or go to any postgraduate, postdoc, post-whatever 
they don't even need to go to undergrad. And I understand that barrier to entry for like what you think is the right thing for your life. But like, can you afford a university education? No. But can you help people? Yes. So here's a way to do it. And the different categories don't kind of don't really matter. It's just, you know, how do you think you can help others? And I think that's the um, pure definition Mm -hmm. is people who want to help other people without jumping through all the bureaucratic hoops that you need to. Um, The downside of that is that there is no regulation, there's no licensing, there's no code of ethics. And for some people, that's a positive, right? Like some, I've talked to some coaches who actually do have all the training to be a therapist or um, a psychiatrist and have chosen to be a coach instead so that they don't have to be mandatory reporters. Mm. That's very interesting to me. Like if you're a registered licensed therapist and someone says, hey, my dad's doing this weird thing, you have to call the cops and then your dad's in jail and your whole family falls apart, you know? Um, and I understand the hesitation there, yeah. you know, that you would want to be helpful to someone without criminalizing their family or their friends or their life or whatever. Um, so I've heard from coaches that do have that attitude. Um, yeah, that's and, – and how did my <laughs> – my thoughts about it changed only halfway, right? Mm-hmm. Like I still believe that most coaches are that person. But then I realize there's a lot of coaches that are just – it is an MLM to them. Yeah. Like they're getting a license to sell a license so that person can sell a license so that person can sell it. You know, they're, it's a pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> it's another mm-hmm. pyramid, essentially. Um, so I, that I didn't have as much awareness about, I think, when, when I started yeah, that looking into it. makes this. me want to ask, you said that's kind of the generous definition. What is the ungenerous mm-hmm. definition well, I think that's what's changed the most for me is mm-hmm. I thought when we go, went into this that they were just like people who should be therapists but were like lazy or something or didn't oh. want to do the work mm-hmm. to get a license. And I don't think that anymore at all. I can understand why you wouldn't. I mean, I kind of I, – it's not like I thought everybody was like trying to scam, but I really – I thought people were more – aware of the illegitimacy Mm. and now i think there's some legitimacy and that they're maybe not aware of the illegitimacy if that makes (laughs) sense yeah um my ungenerous is you know there's just fucking assholes out there and assholes are going to be assholes and they try to manipulate and control people and that happens in any industry but in this one because you are propping yourself up as like someone who knows more than your average person about very basic elements of living like that's a little obnoxious to yeah me. yeah in the show you mentioned that life coaching as an industry has pretty much doubled over the past 10 years um which are the same 10 years that i feel like social media has kind of become the cornerstone of our internet experience mm-hmm. and so i wanted to ask how much of the life coaching industry do you think is kind of bound up with the internet and social media. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, my life coach that I got, Jessie Monroy, I, she's like the only, she'll admit to you immediately that like everyone in her life berates her about not having a bigger social media presence <laughs> mm-hmm. because it makes no sense. Like is she should have an active Instagram, like, but she doesn't. So I, I would say it's 99%. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's good in a way. 
because you can reach people you wouldn't otherwise reach. Mm -hmm. Like if you're one of the altruistic life coaches that's not charging an arm and a leg and you really do want to help people, you can, you know, get into some, I don't know, I just think about poor girls who are like 21 and shit jobs and five kids or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and they don't have a husband around, all that stuff. You might need a cheerleader. Like that makes a lot of sense to Mm -hmm. me. And maybe you don't live anywhere near where these people are and, you know, you find them through TikTok or Instagram. Wonderful. So I think it's, in on the one hand, a good thing that there's social media for these kind of services. On the other hand, it does just turn into, like, influencer mm-hmm. crap mm-hmm. really quickly. And you don't, you can't tell when you're being sold something or when the person is being genuine. Yeah. And often you can't even reach that specific person because there's they're at the top, mm-hmm. you know, and they have people under them that can help you. And so, yeah, yeah. But it's the primary way people advertise these kind of services. Definitely. And I was wondering if you have any thoughts on how because the self-help industry existed long before the Internet did. And I was wondering if you have any thoughts as to how the internet has changed the self-help industry over the years. Well, (laughs) I think for better or worse, it has, it was for the longest time, and I'm talking like turn of the last century, like Mm. 1910s, Mm. right? When this self-help really came out of like all of these metaphysical and spiritual movements that came about after the Civil War, which was a reaction to people dying really far away from their families and people not having any closure with these massive amounts of Mm. deaths. And then people thought, oh, you just have to like connect with the spirit world and also with yourself. And anyway, all of these things kind of tumbled out of that until you get to like the 1910s and people are starting to write books about Think and Grow Rich and, and books like that. Yeah. That came out in the 30s. But anyway, books like that started coming out around then. The Laws of Success was actually a Napoleon Hill's first book. But the people who, there were women, there were a few women <laughs> who published <laughs> that kind of stuff. But it was mostly old yeah, white guys yeah, yeah. pushing mm-hmm. the self-help stuff. Up until up until the internet, honestly, you know, oh. um, I Tony Robbins mm-hmm. being like the number one person anyone thinks of, but Eckhart Tolle, and you know, just, there's like a, a billion people, like the guys who um, started Est. Anyway, there's, I think that the internet has at least opened up the job of being a self help guru to people who aren't old white guys. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. Great. Yay. That's so good. Yeah. We, we democratized the field. It. Now Rachel Hollis can <laughs> do this. Like, what? That's, I don't know. <laughs> that's so funny and so true that <laughs> really has just opened it up to mm-hmm. anybody. Um, which kind of, I think, dovetails into my next question, which is, Do you see any kind of spiritual difference between kind of like the Facebook life coach, the Instagram life coach, and the TikTok life coach? Like these kind of eras of social media. This is based off of nothing. I'm pulling this out of my ass. Feel free. We love that here. But I'm just going to guess. I think Facebook has defined itself as what it is. It's like very milquetoast, very middle of the road. And Mm. it's for moms 
from the middle of the road. So I'm imagining the life coaches that advertise there are similar in that way. They're not really pushing mm-hmm. boundaries in a big way. They might be if they're like mm-hmm. QAnon or something, <laughs> but <laughs> outside, which there's a big intersection. Um, I think if we go to the other end of the spectrum, TikTok allows for a lot more experimentation and like fads and things that come and go like the um, shadow work journal. Yeah. The shadow work journals and the, what is the one where they like, it's kind of astrology, but they like, it's like a human and something intelligent. It's like intelligent design. That's what it is. That's a big one. Um, oh. where it's kind of birth charty, kind of not. And it just, it's like this crazy breakdown of like who you are as a special human being and what your interest should be and how, you know, what your strength, human design. Yeah. The human design stuff comes and goes on TikTok, the shadow work stuff. I think that there's a lot more room to just be wacky and like unproven science mm. on TikTok. It happens a lot faster. Yeah. It's not necessarily for younger people either. I see people of all ages, you know, hawking the shit. But, and then I think Instagram, Instagram's just about being pretty. Like, let's be honest. Like, that's all that that (laughs) app is for (laughs) being pretty or having a good eye Mm -hmm. and, you know, taking good pictures. I don't know. So that's where you get a lot of the um, yoga gurus. Soul Cycle. Yes. Rachel Hollis. Yeah. yeah. They kill it on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all so fascinating. I really feel like my mind is in a whirl, which means it's time to take a break. After a short break, we'll be back with Jay Marie talking about life coaches. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, y'all. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening to ICYMI, then welcome. We're thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, that's what ICYMI stands for. We still get questions about that, so I thought I'd let you know. But our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays, so make sure you never miss an episode like this past Saturdays, which was all about the scourge of AI-generated books that are taking over Amazon and Goodreads. We had on author Jane Friedman, and it's just a delight and mildly horrifying. Take a listen. 
And we're back with Jane Marie, the host of The Dream. So, Jane. To me, it almost feels like the internet at this point feels like both like the boon and the bane of Mm -hmm. a lot of life coaches in that it allows them to market their lifestyle and thus their entire product, which is selling you their lifestyle and teaching you how to have Mm -hmm. their lifestyle. But it blends into the rest of the social media waters of everyone marketing their lifestyle. So it doesn't immediately register as weird. It opens up to detractors, which I feel like a lot of them actually use as growth opportunities. Oh, yeah. But it also opens them up to this weird thing that a lot of them do that you've noted in your in your show, which is that it allows them to kind of hang themselves by their own noose. Yeah. One person who comes to mind is Rachel Hollis, who destroyed her own pyramid by comparing her choice to have hired help to... Harry Tubman. Literally Harriet Harriet Tubman. Harriet Harriet, yep. Every time I have to say that, I I find myself (laughs) wondering how we got here. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Like, what are you... you, Even if you're stupid, you know not to do that. Like, even if you're a complete idiot, that doesn't make any sense. So all of this makes me want to ask, why do you think so many life coaches end up exposing themselves on Instagram Because nobody's perfect. I feel like I keep... Because nobody's perfect. <laughs> so, like, I would probably expose myself a thousand times, you know, if I... But I'm not claiming to be perfect. Mm. I'm not going out there being like, here's how you should do things. And listen to me, because look at my life. Like, it, as soon as you start doing that, it's over. Like, you can't mm-hmm. ever miss... You know, you, ha- you have to just maintain... Somehow Gwyneth's gotten away with it for way too long. Like, she does get in trouble, but then they, like... Her, the fines are never enough in my eyes. Um, the punishments are mm-hmm. never enough to get her to stop um, actually hurting people. So, yeah, I think it's it's almost inevitable that ha- that that happens because it's always in contrast to the thing that you're selling. Like we, mm. everyone makes mistakes mm-hmm. on the internet. <laughs> everyone does, but not everyone says. Actually, and not to bring us to a really dark place, but like the whole Russell Brand being a wellness influencer now, mm-hmm. that was dumb. That was dumb of him. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm I'm happy that he's got caught, but I, but that was stupid. Like, don't put yourself out there as some health and wellness and spirituality guru if you've got a bunch of victims just waiting in the wings to take you down, dude. Don't. Don't tempt us, you know. And I feel like that's what yeah. a lot of a lot of the coaches are are stepping into. It's like you're going to become a target, and you can't make mistakes like that. Is that awful? Is that so cynical? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's horrible, actually. But <laughs> but I feel like it's true in that influencers and life coaches, in a way, they get their entire kind of audience by marketing a mm-hmm. lifestyle and you wanting that lifestyle. So the lifestyle has to be perfect. And then life coaches take it a step farther by being like, I can teach mm-hmm. you how to do this. So any mistake either has to be subsumed into the identity, which I think is what Gwyneth is actually really good at, is that every misstep she has somehow ends up a quirk yep. of yep. hers. Yep. Which is incredibly smart (laughs) on her part or you end up like Rachel Hollis who went from a lot of people's favorite person to kind of not relevant 
because she broke that kind of fourth wall of life coaches of saying, I actually don't want to be relatable to you, which is the opposite of what life coaches are kind of building their brand on. Well, she got full of herself. Like, that's what it is. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be relatable. I don't want to be like you at all. You know, like, I don't, I want to be spectacular and special. So I kind of missed out on the Rachel Hollis era. I think for the same reason I missed out on the Sheryl Sandberg era, which is that neither one of these women's advice is especially for me because I'm a Black woman. And not to say Black women don't get into the kind of life coach epidemic. The coaches that really seem to cross my social media feeds who are Black are either dating coaches like femininity Mm. coaches or wealth Mm -hmm. coaches or spiritual coaches, which is such a kind of an interesting cross-section of things. Think about those all together. That's like a wife coach. It's a wife coach, not a life coach. Mm -hmm. Exactly, which is what is so interesting to me, I guess, about the difference between what people like Rachel Hollis are selling and then what the kind of Black coaches I see are selling and what the real juxtaposition of that Mm -hmm. is. Well, look, it's all about upward mobility and aspiration. And Mm -hmm. white people have to, like, make shit up now (laughs) to be like, what what else can we excel at? What else can we win at, you know? Because we're crushing it all over the place (laughs) through force. (laughs) (laughs) and legislation and now we're bored Mm -hmm. and so we're gonna be the best spiritual blah 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 you know whatever um yeah i get it but i think that that's the thing it's just it's selling this aspirational thing that makes us all miserable in america yeah i mean speaking of america (laughs) i feel like americanness as a concept is this through a line through a lot of the dream I mean, the name of the show is a reference to the American dream. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to kind of hear you talk a bit about what you think it is about the American identity that makes it so easy for us to kind of fall under the sway of life coaches, especially kind of online. It feels like I don't think I've ever seen a life coach come across my feed who is not American and does not have an American accent, at least doesn't have an American Mm -hmm. accent. Well, you know, it's American exceptionalism, right? Like, Mm -hmm. supposedly the whole reason this country exists, this is bullshit, but supposedly the whole reason this country exists is because people were smarter than everyone (laughs) everywhere else and Mm -hmm. more brave and more ambitious and industrious and thoughtful Mm -hmm. and and more deeply connected to God in a way. And that's Mm -hmm. who started this place. And that's who we should all try to be like. So it's Mm. in a tiny way, you know, when you're, I'm a mom and I remember, you know, there are many mornings where like my kids whining and needs me and I'm just like, I have so much I have to do today. (laughs) This is just like a very small, but you have, you're, Mm -hmm. you're raised up in this country to value that work like so much like every little thing you're doing is Mm. you know gonna get you one inch closer to i don't know what but the prosperity gospel talks about that you know the um yeah 
had some really interesting conversations throughout the season that didn't end up on the show, but, you know, talking about, about upward mobility, about how much work it really takes to like change your station in life. And there is a moral thing layered on top of that, which is if you aren't trying to do that, you're a bad American. You're a lazy person. Mm -hmm. If you aren't trying to improve things, you know, what's the saying, like, like, leave the world better than you found it or, you know, pass something on to your, have the next generation be more prosperous than the current one. Like, Mm -hmm. there is no end to the, there's no, like, after World War II, we should have been like, nailed it, got it, done. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everyone's take a as break. rich as they need to be. Everyone's mm-hmm. as rich as they need to be. They're too rich, a lot of them. And let's take a break and then make sure everybody else gets as rich as everybody else. And then we can just stop, you know. And instead, we were like, mm-hmm. no, it's actually, we love watching people get, like, incredibly wealthy and powerful. And we feel yeah. special here for that. But it's a delusion. It's not how the actual world works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're not really yeah. in charge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's, it's so true. It's and it's that's a concept that I think people come to understand in therapy is that we're not actually really in charge. And I feel like life coaching is often presented, at least when I've encountered it in real life and not online, as the opposite. Well, a lot of people I know think of it as an alternative to therapy mm-hmm. and kind of seek it out when therapy is either inaccessible due to logistical or financial reasons or just not desirable for like stigma reasons. But weirdly, one thing the Internet has kind of done is make therapy more accessible, either better help accessible or Instagram accessible with yeah, slideshows and three minute TikToks on parenting your inner child. And it's created a new kind of influencer, which is the therapist influencer. And I'm wondering if you see a difference between the therapist influencer and the life coach no. besides kind of the issue of accreditation. No, <laughs> I don't see any difference. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, my therapist and all the people that I know are therapists, like had they just had like a couple things different about their lives that like they didn't make it possible to go to Yale or whatever mm. would probably still be wanting to do that work. Mm. And I'm not saying that, that, that like, again, they're not all, it's not all bad. I think that it's really great that people want to help other people. I think that's, that's a lot of, a lot of life coaches really do feel genuinely that they want to help improve people's lives. And I don't think that that's a bad goal. Um, so no, I don't really see a difference other than like privilege, to be honest, like the the privilege of, yeah, like, okay, when you're a therapist, you have to go to conferences and pay your own way mm-hmm. to keep your license. You have to get, you know, certain post, you have to keep your um, education up to keep getting stamped on that piece of paper that says you're licensed. And yeah, that's expensive. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's a privileged place to be. And I think if something had gone just slightly differently in a lot Mm -hmm. of the lives of therapists, they are life coaches. At least that's what I've experienced out here in L.A. That is all of my questions. Oh, my God. This has been so depressing. I want to apologize (laughs) to your listeners. (laughs) (laughs) They're used to it at this point. I'm going to be honest with you. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. 
These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. Coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So, first it was Dade County. Voters in the Miami area repealed civil rights for gay people by a two-to-one margin. In the late 1970s, cities around the country began rolling back anti-discrimination laws that protected gay people. And then it was Wichita, St. Paul, Eugene. Successful campaigns against the gay community, which shocked us all. A state senator from California watched the laws fall and saw an opportunity. Homosexuality is a most repulsive lifestyle. His name was John Briggs, and he wanted to deliver the anti-gay movement its biggest prize yet. California realized that they were coming for us. I'm Christina Cotarucci. This season on Slow Burn, we'll explore how a nationwide backlash against gays and lesbians led to a massive showdown in California. Now it's something called Proposition 6, the Briggs Initiative. It would call for firing any teachers in California who practice homosexuality. Your life as you knew it would be destroyed. We've got to fight back. We can't let this happen in California. The Briggs Initiative would be the first statewide vote on gay rights. With so much at stake, young people became activists. We were all coming out all day long, every day. (laughs) And activists became leaders. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. Slow Burn, Season 9, Gays Against Briggs. Out May 22nd, wherever you listen. If we lose here, it'll be 50 years before we ever get back up again. Like the drag queens say, take out the earrings, sharpen the nails. There ain't no going back. All right, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. It's the best way to never miss an episode. Please leave a rating and review in Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. Tell your life coaches about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, should I hire a life coach? And you can also always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sarah Spragley-Ricks, Candice Slim, and me, Rachel Hansen. Thank you to Vic Whitley-Berry for helping with this episode. And thank you to Rob Gunther. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online or doing shadow work. Coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So, first it was Dade County. Voters in the Miami area repealed civil rights for gay people by a two-to-one margin. In the late 1970s, cities around the country began rolling back anti-discrimination laws that protected gay people. And then it was Wichita, St. Paul, Eugene. Successful campaigns against the gay community, which shocked us all. A state senator from California watched the laws fall and saw an opportunity. 
Homosexuality is a most repulsive lifestyle. His name was John Briggs, and he wanted to deliver the anti-gay movement its biggest prize yet. California realized that they were coming for us. I'm Christina Cotarucci. This season on Slow Burn, we'll explore how a nationwide backlash against gays and lesbians led to a massive showdown in California. Now it's something called Proposition 6, the Briggs Initiative. It would call for firing any teachers in California who practice homosexuality. Your life as you knew it would be destroyed. We've got to fight back. We can't let this happen in California. The Briggs Initiative would be the first statewide vote on gay rights. Gay rights now! Gay rights! With so much at stake, young people became activists. We were all coming out all day long, every day. <laughs> and activists became leaders. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. Slow Burn, Season 9, Gays Against Briggs. Out May 22nd, wherever you listen. If we lose here, it'll be 50 years before we ever get back up again. Like the drag queens say, take out the earrings, sharpen the nails, there ain't no going back.